All right, I'm on the phone today with Peter Toll, who is the campaign coordinator for the Democratic Party of Clackamas County. Thanks for talking to me on the phone today, Peter. I'm glad to be with you. So how long have you been doing the kind of work that you're doing right now as the um, Democratic Party campaign coordinator? Well, uh, the work we're doing right now is kind of crazy because of the circumstances and, and the changes, but I've been a what I politely call a political operative off and on for uh, 50 years. And what, what kinds of roles have you played as a political operative and what is, what is the specific role you play right now? What kind of political operative are you? Well, the differences are, uh, I think that's what you're asking me, isn't it, Jack? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a traditional campaign setting, you have traditional tools. You have direct mail, you have, uh, people calling on phone banks. You have all sorts of as close to personal as you can get because that's the best way to influence someone is, is as close to personally, eyeball to eyeball as you can. But uh, a lot of that is going to be exaggerated, non-existent, or um, seriously adjusted because of this situation. Uh, people, well, I'll give you a, a very specific example. Out here in Clackamas County, we have been recruiting people to uh, walk door to door to their neighbors, and in that, and then just hand them a uh, slate card and and encourage them to vote. So it's not a persuasion; it's just an eyeball to eyeball drop off. And so if only, it, only Democrats, is, that's the side I'm working and have always worked. Right. You're specifically working for Democratic candidates. Um, so if, if, if this were a normal April, you would ha- people would be doing that right now. Uh, yeah. And the, the actually, no. Uh, well, it all depends. It all depends. There are some people who say, uh, I've seen studies that show that if a, contact is made more than a month before the election, the uh, effectiveness of that contact uh, is very, very low as compared to somebody in the last, say, two weeks of a campaign. Right. So just for That's con- why newspapers don't ever really catch up with campaigns until late in the game, because the fact is that the citizens don't care. Right. The, pre- the presidential election goes on for two years, but most elections go on for just a few weeks in terms of that. So just for, conte- yeah. just for context, we are recording this on April 8th and 2020, and the Oregon election, primary election is April, or excuse me, May 19th or 20th? 19th. May 19th. So we're, we're a month and a half, just a little over a month away from the election. So what would you, what would you be doing right now? Uh, and then we'll kind of step through the next five weeks uh, to see what the well, traditional process is. essentially, we have 700 people lined up. We have, they have to have their work uh, nailed down for them, and it's usually calling on uh, anywhere from 40 to 50 houses personally. All of that detail work and planning and scheduling has to go in. And then the idea is you follow up with a phone call. But what, But we're – and our slate cards, which would fit inside of a jacket pocket – um, are very successful. People like them. And so what we're having to do now is mail those slate cards, first-class mail. And that sounds expensive. And that is a serious expense that the our, our party 
local party, we get no money from anybody from any other democratic organizations, including the state Democrats. Yeah, it's it's a it's a burden. And at the same time, we're asking people, would you be willing to buy the postage, which is first class postage and provide a number 10 white envelope and address your people? So our 700 people started out, and we're at about half that who are actually implementing this. And we'll go to the press. We will, we will distribute them um, right before the election, uh, or right, right at about the same time that the ballots are mailed out, which is April 29. Now, I have, I have two questions. Um, one and I'm going to ask them both, and you can answer them separately. One, how do you get those 700 people? What are your sources for that, and, and what are the activities that are involved in that sort of outreach? And two, how do you get the addresses for them to go to, the doors? Okay, the where do volunteers come from is usually they don't just wander in the door and say, hey, can I help? That's I've, I've worked a lot of campaigns, uh, and that happens rarely. So it's a social business. So what happens is we ask people, who do you know who would like to help you elect the Democrats in your area, where you live, in your neighborhood even? And lo and behold, we started out with about a hundred, uh, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, four years ago, we had about a hundred. So it just keeps growing, um, and and these are people I'm who sorry, are committed. Jack, I these, forgot to. It's right. These these are people who are committed to essentially passing out the Democratic slate. They're not necessarily specifically working for any one of these candidates. They're not necessarily motivated by like you know. These can- are these are two different games, and uh, so to speak. And when we have literature, we would we would offer the candidates. We will carry your literature door to door with the slate card. Ah, so. and, I, and it's not door to door. These are very specific. You're only calling on friendly people, right. and, and calling's not the word. It's a face to face. Right. So this is a turnout effort for the people that you have identified as Democrats, and you want to get them to the polls. And the way that we've done that, and the measure of success is, we uh, a typical general election will yield eighty percent turnout across the state. And we have some of our, what we call little turfs, say 40, 50 homes or something like that, uh, that are coming in almost 100% after we've worked them. They started at 80, four years later, they're at almost 100%, many in the 90s. Yeah, you know, 90% turnout. So that's how you measure your success against the state Okay. That can be useful. Right. So the state average is a metric for you to measure your success against, and you're, you're trying to push towards 100. You can't get more than 100% turnout. <laughs> Maybe in the old days, you could get 120% turnout, but that's, uh, it's not like that anymore, is it? <laughs> when they would get the, uh, the voters from the, from the graveyard? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's before even your what time. What this is doing, I, I really have to tell you that, that and I made a couple notes in this uh, situation, the, the people we have 10 we have our structure broken up into 10 house districts those which have a piece or all of or, or are all in Clackamas County 
And eight of those are held by, Repub- uh, by Democrats and two are held by Republicans. But each one of these 10 House districts gets its own slate card. Now you have to make this real clear, okay? Because the person, you don't want to put a slate card out that says vote for this person for state rep and have 16 names and list them all. You just want to have specified to that district. Now, some of the information, of course, is mutual, right? Like the governor or statewides or uh, uh, federals in some cases. But otherwise, that has to all be done. And it used to be just done on a slate card. Now we're having to do it in mail. And each of these are different. Anyway, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, challenge so so you're for us to campaign right. in this environment now um let's just pretend that this is 2019 instead of 2020 for a second um you're you're going to be you have your 700 volunteers which have essentially started with a core of people and they have recruited more people for you uh, yes and do you well, that's that's partially true okay uh it's almost all true but the partial part is that we have one person who is who is incredibly energetic and I don't think I'd be exaggerating to say that she has personally recruited half of those people, which is pretty wild when you think about it. That is pretty great. And so it, it, politics in this, at this level can actually be driven by just a few extremely energetic and well-connected people. It doesn't have to be 100 energetic and well-connected people that then turns into 700. It, that's exactly right. And what happens is people find politics and government so so far out of their, their ken, their normal range of thought, that they just, you know, put that sort of activity in the shrug it off file because they feel powerless. But the fact is, two years ago, we only had five Democrats in the, in the, in the Oregon House and five Republicans, and now we have eight Democrats, and all three of those Republicans that got beaten, literally were the only ones in the state to get beaten in seeking re-election. So I think that the, I'm very pleased with that. Now, would uh, you would you say that is and that, that's that's a fantastic rate of success for sure, um, especially comparing it to the rest of the state? Would you attribute those chain those flip seats to uh, turnout expansion or swaying persuadable voters or some mix of the two? Actually, there's a third one in the in the game, which is uh, Clackamas County, which extends from the Portland city limit to Mount Hood uh, in that direction and out in Estacada and all over the place. Mostly, um, uh, mostly, uh, I was going to say, on the east side of the Willamette. The point I'm getting at is, as Portland is growing and becoming more expensive, people are moving south. Awesome. First, they move short south to Milwaukee. There's a huge Democratic enclave right now, and it's just over the city limit from Portland. And so, and the same thing is true as you head out toward Newburgh in that direction, because we have a, a candidate who, who uh, had never run and ran and beat the Republican out there. So you have some demographic shifts going on that are helping the Democratic Party. That's exactly the language, yeah. At the same time, we have stepped up our activity and uh, are are, uh, 
you see no reason for it to fall back. And, and again, it's a handful of people who are driving it, and it just sort of magnifies and multiplies by itself. So it sounds like that you know the door knocking and now of course the more expensive direct mailing uh, in this particular election cycle are a primary tool for you. What if anything do you do in the uh, arena of trying to sway persuadable voters, or do you just leave that to the individual campaigns to do that? Um, in this case, in my current uh, volunteer position with the county uh, Democrats, ours is just to get out the vote. That's all we do. We want to make sure we have more Democrats registered than any other, and we want to see that they vote. So that's that's the primary thing. We do that uh, with the traditional methods of uh, phoning and mailing and call and and neighbor to neighbor stuff and appearing in you know public arenas for so people can you know get aware. The issue with this particular election. And I, is you're finding candidates having trouble raising money because the best way they can raise money is face-to-face, and they can't have any parties, which are very common. House parties meet the candidate kind of stuff. But that is falling off. So the volume of mail overall we'll be seeing in the next uh, you know, two months you know, until uh, the 19th of May, the volume of mail is going to be greatly reduced and it's also very expensive uh our people are going to be hanging first class postage stamps on the on the pieces that they're going to be distributing and we're normally in a situation the way we are we would we would probably move thirty thousand of these so-called slate cards but in mailing we're only going to mail about half that many largely because of the cost and um are you so two two things about that, and it definitely sounds like a challenge for sure um, for both the party and for individual candidates. What are you going to do to try to up your outreach to households, given that you're going to have half of them that aren't even going to get at your slate cards, and you want to be able to reach a lot of people? And are you doing anything to increase your fundraising to one make up for the deficit you're facing, and two to try to pay for the extra? Uh, costs of mailing that you're facing. Well, that's interesting because we had a fundraiser scheduled for April um, last Saturday. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And it was postponed to May 31. And that may not happen. So we're having trouble raising money. We're, we're, We're just doing a normal solicitation to people who have given before. And it's, it's hard for, for, the parties to raise money as well. Right. So, it, you know, some people might say, well, if someone was going to give money at a fundraiser event, now that they're cooped up in their house, maybe they'll just send it through, you know, the mail or Venmo or something. But it doesn't well, work that first, way, right? Uh, yes. The first thing that you do is you say, uh, if you would, if you would like a refund, uh, if an event is canceled, and if you would like a refund, let us know. Otherwise, we would really appreciate being able to use all of your money to help elect Democrats and not just uh, you know, part of it after an overhead kind of deduction. Right. And how, how has your response been to that in terms of people wanting their money back? It's slow. It's slow because of this pandemic. Normally, it, it, you would probably get at least half the people say, oh, I'll save the money. You guys keep it, you know. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not quite that, that, that positive 
this time. Right. Well, people are definitely feeling uh, some economic uncertainty in these times as well as uh, the quarantine. So that's another way in which the current situation is working against parties and candidates raising uh, raising money. Yeah. Now, so the, there's another thing that I was thinking about, too, is since mail is going to be uh, prohibitive for candidates who, who can't raise money, one candidate I know is he is is doing a virtual campaign and what he's doing is he is caught he isn't his campaign is they have a button on their website that says if you want to learn how to call you know uh to help elect this person then press this or do this right and so they give him an hour-long training and what it comes down to is they say to these folks who volunteer because a friend of mine has done it Go get your cell phone, and on your cell phone, identify everybody who lives in the state of Oregon and or lives in uh, a specific uh, legislative or congressional district, okay? And so the person goes through their own phone, and then the campaign runs a cross-check with registration, voter registration data and then tells this person who has volunteered to call what party, if any, their friends are in. And then if they're in the right party, in this case, the Democratic Party, ask and they live in the right area, then, they're, then they will call them up and ask them to support their candidate. Which, and that hasn't- if you can get you know, 10 people to call 40 people, that's pretty good. If you can get 100 to call 40,000 or something, that's really good, you know? And is this a new effort at, that's responding specifically to the coronavirus, is it, or is this something you guys have been developing over the past few years? I'm not, I've, I, now, I'm not up on the very, very latest, but this is a new one on me. And I, it's just, it's, it's all tech. Right. It's melding tech. And I was going to ask, I asked you earlier, and, we, and, and I want to get back to it, how do you get the addresses where you, where you send people to knock doors? Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh. But oh, also, oh, but, but you're, you're getting, yeah. you remind uh, when, me of that. When people uh, register to vote, that is a public, that, that act is uh, a public document. And so what happens is, you, you can, you can uh, what happens is, you can get a list. From the county or from the elections office or from the secretary of state. And that's how you cross-check this sort of stuff. Now, what about people who are not registered in either party? Uh, do you have an, a way of identifying Democratic-leaning independents, or do you leave that out of your... your well, the list becomes pretty refined. You start with a basic election list, then you want to know how often do they vote, then you want to know... Are they cross-checking with something like um, uh, cross-checking with something like uh, 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 an abortion rights group? Okay, are they donating to that sort of thing? Oh well, that then this starts to you know help you create what amounts to a microfile on a person and their leanings. We already know that they're registered in a in a party or not. And how do you get so, that? How do you get that other cross-check information? Um, that sounds. All of this sounds like it definitely costs money. Uh, the public information, of course, yeah, is well, probably yeah, time. But it does. It's yeah. And so what happened? Well, all of these groups have have uh, all of these groups have big lists, and they're not in a drawer anymore. 
They're as close as a, as a click of a switch. And then the other thing is it, it makes them easy to combine the lists. So, you know, we have some people who are registered Democrats who, um, in, in our county, who probably voted for Trump last in the last go-around, okay? But, so, we, by using a, a, a list like we have created, we don't necessarily take the campaign to people like that, who will, who will say they're one thing and act another. Right, so you're a registered well, we, Democrat who maybe, belong, you know, either donates money to or belongs to certain groups that indicate to your model that they aren't really reliable. Right. It Democratic could be voters. a labor group. It could be an environmental group. It could be anything which we tend to embrace as, as uh, sharing values with that group. And they understand that. Right. And now they, they stand to benefit by putting people in office who reflect their views as well. So uh, this is a, you, you want to stay away from those doors, even if somebody who's a registered Democrat who might vote uh, for a Republican because you don't want to activate their turnout. Is that, is that correct? Sure. Sure. So I mean, it makes sense for everybody to vote, you know, don't misunderstand me, but if there are, and I'm going to use a, uh, and I don't have the number in front of me, let's say there are 500,000 registered voters, uh, in the state of Oregon, let's just say, and let's say then that you that you're going to divide them into three segments: Democrats, Republicans, and non-affiliated voters slash minor parties. Okay, where you want to put your juice, where the action is going to be in your favor. Okay, so you start with the big lists like that, the big sense of scope, and then you start narrowing down on a district by district basis. It may happen in a in a in a, a legislative district that a democratic trump voter may also vote for the Demo- would also vote for the democratic legislative candidate so it's not finite you know if it gets finite then you can go over to england and hang out with those guys who <clears throat> there, so there's got away with electing Trump. There's among a others. there's a science, and then there's an art to it as well. Um, well, I, that's yeah. I I I like to say it. What you're doing is 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 you're combining marketing with values, not just values over which kind of chicken soup is best or which car is best or something like that. You want people's values are reflected not only in their head, but in their heart. Now, that, that reminds me of a question I was going to ask you earlier, um, and you indicated sure. that, you know, these these campaigns that are getting people to call on their cell phones, they have a button that gives them an hour training. What kind of training do you do with those 700 people who uh, would be knocking doors in a few weeks, and hopefully we next have, year? The, the guy who's, a, who's in charge of our neighborhood leader program, also a volunteer, he happens to be a retired labor organizer, um, at the request of our house district leaders who are organizing these sorts of things, um, he's, he goes out and spends an hour with them on site, um, showing people who otherwise may not want to make phone calls or may not want to do something else, showing them the exact how easy it is and how comfortable it is and, and how successful it is just to do Hi, I'm da 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 your neighbor from da 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 you know, that sort of thing. He trains them. 
That's great. We and don't just turn them loose. Right. And I figure, but it also sounds like the training is relatively simple. That There's not a sophisticated politicking strategy. No, it's, no, no. It's very simple. It's how to be natural. No, it's very simple. No, it's, it's, it's how you communicate with somebody who you, who the only thing you know about them is that they're registered Democrats. And, and you like to have people who are, who are able to say, I'm your neighbor from, you know, 10 blocks away or five blocks away, because that makes it, it more personal. The whole thing with communicating and the whole thing with being face to face is people are uh, are much more apt to react on a face to face basis. So that so that's that's crucial. And then you so we're fine tuning then in those areas where where we can do that. Now we can't do it this year. This is the, the real abnormal situation. Right. But it's, it's really going to so show how important this stuff is when it can't be, be done. Telephoning. Okay. And it, uh, after that, you're, you're up to the usual suspects with the uh, direct mail. Probably bigger campaigns doing, will be doing a lot of television because I have a hunch a lot of people are watching an inordinate amount of television these days. Right. What about you know, that sort of stuff? What about social media advertising like Facebook ads or promoted tweets? Do you, do you know if campaigns are doing that? Is that something that you um, um, I'm on a lot of lists. And so uh, it's early for that, or else they'll start trickling it in. Uh, but it's very, it's relatively inexpensive, and I have uh, some people who are who are uh, running for office who have a firm belief in it because they get a much better reaction from social media than they do from, say, traditional newspapers, television, or something like that. Uh, I think you're going to see an increase in that because it does get into people's right in their homes. And that's what you want to do. Right. And, and that's been coming since even before the coronavirus changed. Uh, that there's, yeah. there's oh, been yes, more of yes, that. Yes. So, yeah. I you know, just start thinking about what in, you know, how you are influenced by what you do. And if it's a real hard, you know, just walk through it. Some people like a real hard sell. They like to act like they're talking to a, 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 a used car salesman in the, in the horrible use of the word. Um, or, you know, other people want to have the impression they're making up their own mind. We don't know what influences each of us, but we have some general ideas. And that's all marketing is, is finding the right people and conveying the right message to them. Now, um, have you, in your long life uh, as a political operative, have you been more heavily involved in the, you know, influencing persuadable people as opposed to what you're doing now, which is, you know, getting generating a lot of turnout and excitement and... Um, when you start, when you start in this business, uh, you're going to start unless you volunteer at a very high level and somehow stay involved. Uh, you're going to start at a local uh, city council, county commission, uh, local legislative race, and invariably there are not a lot of people involved in those things. So you have to learn all that, st- the whole gamut of stuff most of which is not sitting around scheming and dreaming and uh, writing, you know, the greatest persuasional letter that ever happened. It's the, it's the mechanics. Where do we get the people? How do we train them to do the various tasks that we need? And as, as, as a person advances in the, you know, in the business, then they can, then they're enjoy, they're allowed the luxury of, of, uh, strategizing because otherwise 
the mechanics just eat up all your time. The mechanics are massive. And it, and it just, uh, yeah. Now, you said the luxury of strategizing. Is, is that, for most people who get into campaign, is that the fun part? Like, do you earn the right to, to get to the strategy and relaxing in that level? Uh, um, I'd say not necessarily, because there's so many, I mean, there's seven reasons why people donate money to a charity, and they are all personal. And I'd say there are probably seven reasons why people, and I'm just out of the air on that one, um, why they choose to get involved. Some people don't like to go door to door. What we do is say, which one of these abil- uh, tasks suits your needs the best? You pick. We know where we want you to go, but we're not going to say you have to go in a certain area where you're not comfortable. Right. Some so, people are more comfortable on the phone. I, I know that I personally would have a very difficult time making myself knock on someone's door. Uh, and while I wouldn't be particularly happy to make a phone call, I would be less averse to making a phone call. Well, that's exactly why the phone call is less effective than the knock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why is that? Because it's, it's, it's easier because to do. Because people are reluctant. They yeah. are reluctant to, to do that. I, I understand that. I'm not real comfortable knocking on everybody's door. I'm less comfortable on the telephone. My own personal vagary is I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not that comfortable on the telephone. I like eyeball-to-eyeball meetings. Well, you know, you're, you're, learn a lot you're doing great on this telephone call, um, though we oh. did sit down eyeball-to-eyeball in my studio before the coronavirus hit. You were, in fact, my last live interview for the podcast for however long. I'm now doing, well, I'm now doing phone interviews. Let's hope it's a short time. I hope it's a short time. Though it, it is, in, in our case, you know, before I met you in person, I think that this interaction today on the phone would definitely be very different than it, than it mm. is because we're familiar with each other on just one meeting. I mean, we were in each other's presence for all of an hour and a half. Um, yeah. And so I am yeah. fully convinced by your sort of persistent claim that it's a, it's a face-to-face business and it makes a big difference. Um, This has been really enlightening, and I think my students are going to get an awful lot out of this. Do you have any last words uh, before we finish up that you of advice or wisdom or prediction or anxiety, whatever you want to say? Real quick thoughts. If you, um, we have a lot of people who start in this business working for us statewide or like a Portland City Council, big campaign. We got a lot of stuff to do. Typically, you will find the successful campaign is the one that has people. I'm going to say working 10-hour days, seven days a week, and that's a minimum. Over what span of time? And they'll work into the night because a lot of the stuff you have to do at night because in the daytime you're contacting people, so you have to do a lot of other stuff, mechanical stuff. Right, so what's the, what's the span of be time? How, how, many weeks, be, how many weeks for that? Know, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Seven, 10 hours a day, seven days a week for how many weeks or months? Um, well, in Oregon, it also depends on the primaries. In Oregon, we have a May primary, and then so that's six months to a general. But if you start out at 10 hours a day, you'll never make it from May till November. So you have to, but I'll tell you, that's why it's a young person's uh, a field, because they've got the energy. They like staying up late and getting up late. You don't go in the office till 9 in the morning, but you're there till 9, 10 at night. Uh, it's just, so you have to pace yourself just as a campaign has to pace itself. So it peaks at the right time, not peaks early or, or not at all. Right. So it's not just the amount of energy you input into a campaign overall. It's, it has to be timed well. 
Yeah. And that yeah. timing comes from experience. And you say it's a young person's game, but you're not a young person. And you, your experience is obviously invaluable. Uh, I sense that you you work a lot of hours. Am I right about that? I do. Uh, <laughs> so it's not a young person's game. You just have to be energetic. Um, well, I do as a, as a volunteer. And, that's, and, and the chair of our group is retired, uh, of our Blackmans Democrats, is a retired uh, Park Rose High School principal. And he puts in probably 40 hours a week just putting everything together, keeping it all going. We have executive committee meetings. We have committee meetings. We have all this other stuff. And the campaign part is the, is the, is the glamorous part. If you, it can be uh, for, for people in the game. But the real thing is, is government because you can't, you can't, Many people will go from campaigning into a paid position with their legislator or with their member of Congress or something like that. And then that's a whole new deal because most people have no clue how their government works and who does what. and What does the county do and what does the city, you know, that sort of stuff. Right. So it's one thing to actually get do well on a campaign and have a winning campaign, but then you have to get into governance and that's a different set of skills. It's not only a different set of skills, but a person who, who is a really good campaigner may not be a very good uh, legislator or a member of, of, of the government, of, of the elected uh, you know, people. They just often, I mean, sometimes they're a bad fit. Other times they're a perfect fit. They're good being a legislator and they're good being a, a you know, campaigner. Now, this this is a campaign class and not a class on governance, but um, I will ask you, what, if anything, does the Clackamas County Democratic Party do to support people who are already in office? You've already talked about what you do to support getting them there. Well, it's, I'm glad you asked me that, because we what we do is we allow them, is, is we, they have our full uh, support. They can come and speak to our group. We have over 100 people sometimes. We've had over 200 at at our central committee meetings. Uh, They uh, will come to us for for volunteers. Can you help us do this? Can you help us do that? Uh, When they are not incumbent, and sometimes when they are incumbents, we tend to only give money to non-incumbents in legislative races because once a person is, and we don't have a lot of money, we may give away I don't know, three or four grand to a good legislative candidate. Uh, and, and I know we gave our county commissioners uh, some money, too, because they're seeking re-election. But usually people who are in office have their own sense of, of financial base. And they don't need the help. The help they need are our are, uh, feet on the ground. And that's, where, that's how we help them. Well, that's great. Um, do you have any last words, or uh, have I have I wrung you dry here on your advice? No, I'm enjoying it. In <laughs> fact, uh, I just hope that that anybody who is who is a poli sci first has to understand people, then they have to understand government, then they have to understand marketing, and then they have to go find a source of energy that is unequaled <laughs> anywhere on earth. Well, you but make I, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, we're we're doing our part at PSU to help train these people, and uh, you've done your part to help me do my part. So I, I really want to thank you for talking to me today, Peter. Thank you. I'm 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 very glad to do it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jack.